Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life, in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip the body of Christ around the world in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 2, verse 25, to the end of that chapter, Paul is addressing the Jews' readiness to justify themselves because they had followed the rite of circumcision or to consider themselves safe from God's judgment because they had the covering of the heritage of past faithful people. It wasn't going to work. Each generation, each individual must answer to God for themselves. So now we see the condemnation of the Jews. Paul says, he's again here in this next section, he's merely repeating an idea that the prophets of old had repeated. It's that you're not special because of this right. It only places upon you a demand that you live according to its meaning and faithful obedience to God. And if you don't, you're under his judgment. In fact, here's what Paul says. The Gentile who you revile, who obeys God and yet is uncircumcised, is in the right position, not yourselves. And his example will be brought against you as a witness before the judgment of God. You think you're standing over him. He's going to stand over you and pronounce his judgment upon you. And and here again, Paul is repeating an idea that was repeated by the prophets and an idea that was repeated by Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 12, we have an account in which the Lord Jesus brings about a great healing. And as a result, the Pharisees come along and the Jewish leaders come along and they say that, He's doing it by the power of Beelzebub. He's doing it by the power of Satan. And Jesus squares off against them in an argument. And he says, now listen, Satan cannot be divided against Satan. If a house is divided, it can't stand. And how can you say that I do this by the power of Satan? If I do this by the power of Beelzebub, by by power do your sons cast out demons? They can't answer his logic. They can't respond to him. So then they have to fish for some other way of coming against him. So they say, well, if you're the Messiah and who you say you are, do a miracle for us. Now, he's just done a tremendous miracle. Here, what they're doing is they're actually speaking like Satan had spoken once before. If you're a Messiah, speak to those stones and turn them into bread. Jesus said it's a wicked generation that seeks after a sign. And then in Matthew 12, 41 and 42, this is what he says to them. The men of Nineveh, those were Assyrians, Gentiles, uncircumcised Gentiles, mind you. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah's here. The queen of the south, another Gentile, will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So you see, Paul in this passage is simply teaching what Christ had taught The very ones they despised and looked down upon as inferior, the uncircumcised Gentile, the one who is faithful to God's word without knowing all the rites and knowing all the rituals and gave God fully his heart, would stand over them as a witness before God and so fulfill their own condemnation. Here's the third thing we'll see here. Paul gives to them now a confirmation of what the true Jew is. He gives them a confirmation of what a true Jew is. A Jew is not one who is one only outwardly. He is one who is one inwardly. His heart is completely yielded in faith to God. 
And again, this is not a new idea with Paul, and this is not a new idea to the Jews. Over and over again, this idea is repeated throughout the Old Testament. There is throughout the Old Testament this idea constantly repeated that it is a remnant of the faithful among the Jewish nation that God would spare and raise up and bring into victory. Over and over again, God promises that he will punish the nation of Israel for their sins, but that God would rescue the remnant who are true to him. Take your Bibles for a moment and go to Ezekiel 9, verses 3 through 5. I might read to you a little more than that. I think I'll read to you 3 through 7. It's a horrific passage. And I don't want you to be distracted by some of the horror that God is expressing here because God is simply prophesying the judgment that's going to be coming upon their land because of their unfaithfulness to him. Ezekiel is writing at the same time in which basically Jeremiah was writing and to the same people. Ezekiel has this vision of these men who rise up and they have swords that are risen up for judgment and then as these men who have risen up for judgment are standing before the nation of Israel and before the city of Jerusalem then Ezekiel has a vision that the glory of God is departing from the temple of Israel and now he writes this in verse 3 now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple God is departing he's taking his glory from the temple and he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn in his hide and the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. Mark those who are faithful to me, who mourn at the lack of faithfulness among my people. To the others, those who had swords in their hand, he says to them in my hearing, Go after him through the city and kill, and do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity, Utterly slay old and young and maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. And so they began with the elders who were before the temple. And then he said to them, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. It's a terrible declaration of the judgment that through years of resistance and rebellion against God, which we read at the end of Second Chronicles, to such an extent that it says there was no remedy for the people, for they refused to listen to the prophets that God had sent them to, where God finally relinquishes and relents to the judgment they're bringing upon themselves. But it's a terrible expression of judgment. But even here, at the end of this ongoing procession of national rebellion against God, you see that God has his eye on a remnant who are marked. Mark, because they've been faithful to God and they grieve the sin of their city and God spares them from judgment. This was an understanding that was reinforced by the prophets over and over again from Isaiah all the way down to Malachi. But interesting enough, during the time of the intertestinal period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, a different idea began to take shape within the rabbinic tradition. It was an idea that the faithfulness of the ancient fathers of Israel was enough to cast merits upon all the children of Israel. They would live under the merit of the faithfulness of their fathers in such a way that the rabbinic idea began to be declared that if you were a son by way of circumcision, you could not go to hell. In fact, there was an idea that was expressed in the Mishnah that Father Abraham actually stood guard over hell to make sure that no circumcised Jew would ever pass into hell because he'd been circumcised. And he had the merit of his fathers placed upon him. But Paul is correcting this. He's repeating the old prophetic message of God's word. A true Jew was of the remnant of the faithful whose hearts were marked, who were cut apart in dedication to God alone. And to that person, 
praise is going to be given, not from people, not because he's receiving the honor because of some rite or some sacrament that he's carried out, but he'll receive praise from God, which means they will enter unto and they will receive the true meaning of the name Jew. They'll be praised. God will give his praise to them. And here's an application for us. There's a danger in resting in our assurance, our assurance of faith and our assurance of eternal life in a ritual or a sacrament that's provided by the church. The baptism the church offers will not save you, nor will it speak on your behalf before the judgment of God. Neither will taking the Lord's table on a regular basis bear any saving impact on your life in and of itself. These are simply symbols of grace that's been received by faith. Baptism is a way in which you symbolically express that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ completely, that in his death for your sins on the cross, you reckon yourself to have died with him, that all your sins were paid by him and nailed to the cross and taken into his death, and that as a condemned sinner you have received and you found reprieve in his sacrifice on your behalf, and that in him rising from the dead, you now live and rise in the power of your resurrected Lord to serve him and follow him and receive from him all of his life. That's what you say when you're being baptized. And so we say things like when we're baptizing a person, which we do by immersion, baptized into his death, raised to newness of life. And it's a symbolic expression of the spiritual reality that God brings to a person when they put all their faith in Jesus Christ. And in the same way, when we partake of the Lord's table and we drink the cup and we eat the bread, we're basically declaring that our whole life is predicated upon a complete faithful participation in the life of Jesus Christ. He's everything to us. He's bread and water to us. He's the one who sustains us. Our faith and our hearts are to him and him alone. And we recognize that this we've received by his mercy and his grace. We live by him. But these symbols can be empty if they do not directly relate to a spiritual reality in your life. Paul warned the Corinthians that if they drank the Lord's table or they came before the Lord's table in an unworthy manner, and I think it's this, thinking in any way they deserved it, in any way that it imposed upon them some power or grace in itself. He said if they came to the table in an unworthy manner, that it would bring only judgment upon them. Rituals cannot put you in a favorable position with God. They're guides to your faith. They're points at which you activate yourself in the grace that comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And and beyond these symbols, what we see is that the Jew had beyond the symbol and behind the external expression of circumcision, they had rooted themselves in the heritage they'd received from their fathers in a sense that they were okay because they were embedded in a national identity of people who had declared and been faithful to God. In the same way, it's possible that you can begin to think that you are secure and safe before the judgment of God because you grew up in the church or you attend the church or you call upon yourself the heritage of the faithful, or you read Christian biographies and you're excited by what men of the faith have done in the past and these are your people and you identify with them to such extent that this is what is my security and this is what my safety is. It's true. You can think because, well, you know, I come from a religious family it's a long line of Lutherans or Methodists or Presbyterians or Baptists or nonconformists. I remember when I was a young boy, a gentleman in our church who was an elder was telling a joke on his mother. I didn't know he was telling a joke. I mean, he said his mother came from a small town and back in the Midwest and that she was a member of the Baptist church and there was a Christian church on the corner and the town was getting so small that these two churches couldn't 
survive anymore. And so there was a meeting to bring them together and join them together. And at some point in the meeting, she stood up and said, listen, my father was a Baptist. My grandfather was a Baptist. My great and great, great grandfathers were Baptists. And I was born a Baptist and raised in the Baptist. And I've been a Baptist my whole life. And I'm not about to become a Christian now. (laughs) Well, I realized he'd taken it from somebody else. But at the time, I thought he was telling us the truth. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it's actually a reality that can take place. Somehow, you wrap yourself up in some heritage that's been yours, that you read about, or that you uphold, some heroes of the faith that inspire you, and then you think that their life and somehow is an anchor for the spiritual reality in your life, that this is what secures you, and it doesn't. If you don't follow in the train yourself, if you don't yield to these truths, if there's not a response in your own life of complete surrender to the Savior for His own mercy and His own grace as an individual, they don't speak on your behalf. They speak against you. They witness against you. I told my children when they were growing up that we've kind of ruined them. We've ruined them because the world will be against them and Satan is against them. And then if they decide to rebel, they're going to remember all the things they've taught. It's going to speak against them as well. It's going to make their lives miserable. We haven't done them any favor. Heritage of the Christian faith doesn't put you in an advantageous position where you gain more merit before God. Put you in responsibility. God has entrusted us with a wonderful heritage, and we should pray, O oh Lord, keep us faithful to our trust. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about what God is doing through our ministry around the world, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, the Lord bless you.